Welcome to The Working Ant with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ant. Wonderful to be with you, as always, and let's go ahead and get started in true fashion. We are social creatures, highly dependent on interaction. This interaction takes on various forms and has several levels of quality, similar to our understanding of the moon, to which we are accustomed to only seeing just one side we too must recognize this with people and our relationships. Seeing only one side is a reality. When we interact with others, we're only privy to view the side to which they have deliberately chosen to show us. Similarly, we do the same in what we choose to show others. In our interviews, we summon the best versions of ourselves. And in our meetings, we portray openness, collaboration, intellect, and expertise amongst many other great qualities. And yet the reality is what we choose to show others is very much what others are choosing to show us. Therefore, in order to truly gain an upper hand in any relationship or situation, we must make our understanding of others a necessity. This social skill of fight or flight, enemy or ally, good or ill intent are simply surface level human emotions. True power lies in your ability to transcend into those emotions which are concealed, not for any ill intent, but love for depth of meaningful relationships. This is a pathway to incredible power, but more so a pathway to your own enlightenment. And, you know, I, I chose this topic today and I obviously chose to share that statement with you, not because, you know, of just us moving into the holidays, but mainly, you know, more so about you know, some extra time we may be having this time of year to really just reflect um, not just about our, ourselves um, and the way you know we view the future and, and our optimism or pessimism excitement or or not but more so you know when we sort of transcend from our own internal ways of understanding ourselves how are we doing so in our relationship with others and i want to sort of re-emphasize here just the power uh, of understanding others and 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 what that actually can do in in, in our interviews um, as we move to transition our careers but even in our day-to-day -day, right i'm obviously in our work day-to-day -day, in our personal relationships there's a wonderful wonderful quote by walt whitman that i'm going to just basically summarize into one sentence and that is i do not ask the wounded how he feels i myself become the wounded person. 
And I find that quote to be quite profound. And for those of you that don't know Walt Whitman, um, he's an American poet, but more so what's important about Walt Whitman is, you know, a lot of his writings remind me of Henry David Thoreau, which is an, an incredible sort of philosopher and writer as well that fall under this group of these transcendentalists or of transcendentalism. Um, if any of you have heard of that term, great. Um, if you have not, please do look it up. Um, it's a part of sort of my inspiration of what I wanted to talk to you about today and why we're going to talk about you know, this idea of really understanding others and how we can actually do that to build very deep and meaningful relationships so that we can actually have power and sway over some of the decisions that are being made, whether it's externally based and how it is we're going to succeed in an interview or internally based at work when we're going to be up for promotion or we're looking to grow ourselves and our team or influence a particular decision. Transcendentalism is quite an amazing movement. I'm not sure how strong it is anymore today, but there's there's quite a lot of writing about this and a lot of sort of a research that's gone into it. But I'm just going to take uh, one sort of passage, very basic passage. Um, I think it's from either National Geographic or some U.S. history sort of sort of site that I that I took a while back. But I sort of like remind myself of it, and it basically is it says transcendentalism is a very formal word that describes a very simple idea. People, men, and women equally have knowledge about themselves and the world around them that transcends or goes beyond what they can see, hear, taste, touch, or feel. This knowledge comes through intuition and imagination, not through logic or the senses. People can trust themselves to be their own authority on what is right. A transcendentalist is a person who accepts these ideas not as religious beliefs, but as a way of understanding life's relationships. And so, you know, part of, part of what I read earlier is very much inspired by transcendentalism. It's very much inspired by this idea of, you know, going beyond what, you know, is, is the obvious, going beyond the societal norms, going beyond these rules that have been imposed on us and how it is we understand other people, how it is we grade the quality of our relationships, meaning how important one person is over another. And so this idea of like being a transcendentalist, for example, in this particular case, is really someone who's inspired by relationships um, in this particular case, someone who's inspired by uh, finding meaning in relationships, uh, finding meaning that is much deeper at a much more emotional level than that which has been communicated to us. And what I was saying earlier about the moon uh, being just being able to see just one side of the moon every single day. Sometimes I remind myself of that, by the way. What it is that I'm seeing is just one side of the moon really has a lot to do with, you know, just the one side of one another that we typically see, right? Um, and our interactions here and our interactions at work and our interactions um, on, a, on a very, very personal level. Some of you will say like, no, my partner knows me inside and out, a bad side, good side, neutral side. They, that person knows me well enough to just know me. But for the majority of us, right, uh, you know, we, we have specific interactions that are only surface level. And today I want to talk a little bit more about how can we deepen those relationships? How can we make meaning of those relationships? And I'm not here to convince you 
about the power of having deep and meaningful relationships. I think that's on you. I think you, you should be able to understand at this point in time how important it is to have deep and meaningful relationships. You know, not just, you know, because we're, we're social beings and we're social animals and we need that. Of course, that level of interaction, that level of validation, that level of, you know, um, verbiage and conversation with others to feel fulfilled in some way in our lives. But we need this, you know, because we want to sway other people um, in their decision making. We can sway other people in how it is that they view us. Uh, we can sway other people in how it is uh, they decide whether or not they want to be speaking to us. Uh, there are multiple sort of ways here that we're going to be taking on a practical level that really give us some more insight into ways in which we can influence people's feelings, emotions, and decisions as related to us. And I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing here uh, because, you know, who wouldn't want to have that level of power? Who wouldn't want to be able to understand what ticks somebody else, what makes them move, what sways them, what influences them so that we can use that in our conversation to get something, acquire something that is favorable to us. And I don't mean this in any sort of manipulative way whatsoever. This is going to be very, very practical. In fact, it's going to be so practical that this is going to be more of a, of a reminder of how to be aware of it the next time you have these interactions. And again here, the idea is to really understand and enlighten ourselves. And we're going to do that this time by going outward versus inward, which I think is quite interesting here. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of our discussions has always been around, how can I better under, understand myself? Uh, what do I need to do to motivate myself? How can I make my goals a necessity? How can I make them a must? What, do, what, what must I do to get from where I am today to where I want to be from a state of mind, from a story that I'm telling others, from a strategy that I'm going to take and how it is I engage and approach my career transition process. Today, we're going to be looking outward, very, very much outward, and how it is we are interacting with other people. And, and, and by outward in this particular case, I'm going to talk about reactions, okay? Reactions. And these are typically, you know, judgments, emotions. And by the way, for those of you that are thinking about like, you know, how can we judge others or, or how do we actually manifest these emotions about how it is that we feel, where it basically comes from a subset of what we've already judged, our, our biases already. And so what I want us to do today is really tap into other people's biases, other people's judgments, other people's emotions, so we can better understand what it is that they value so we can actually make a well-informed decision. I think this is actually just such a powerful thing. Um, and the reason why it sort of can, can come up is, is really just based on a lot of um, some of these use cases I've had with previous clients. Many of my clients uh, feel the absolute necessity to leave where they are today and, and go somewhere else and, and immediately start somewhere else, do something else, anywhere else but here. And so what typically happens in that case is that our decisions are very, very much blurred um, and they're very much skewed towards, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. I must be able to leave where I am today and go anywhere else because it can't be this bad. I mean, sometimes, you know, that just may be the right decision to make. Other times we may be, you know, charmed in a, into a, a, a signing an offer for a company that may not necessarily be what it is that had been described to us altogether. 
And so how do we actually assess that, right, before we actually make a decision to go somewhere else? These are the kinds of things that uh, are the reasoning behind why we're going to be talking about what we're talking about today. I want you to feel empowered to be able to observe the reactions of others, right? And so, so you can make the right decision for yourself. There's nothing more important than that. I want you to make the right decision for yourselves moving forward. And obviously the right people that you choose to interact with. Your power of proximity, so to speak. So without further ado, let's jump in to one basic strategy of how it is we can be outward focused in order to ascertain a, a true reaction of somebody else that gives us insight into what it is that they value. And this one here, no surprise to many of you, is just around rapport. You know, the, the, the more we can build rapport with someone, the more we can sway the, their decisions, right? If you're in sales, uh, the stronger we build rapport with somebody, the easier we can get them to a yes. If we are interviewing with somebody, the more we can build rapport early on, the more likely they are to overlook some of the skills and expertise that are typically required to do a job and say, you know what, this person's culture is strong enough to where we can actually train them. Rapport on your personal branding when you put it out you know, on LinkedIn or on your resume, strong enough rapport that converts a conversation. So when someone actually reads it, they say, wow, you know what, based on what this person said, I would love to talk to this person. This person sounds absolutely amazing. You know, building rapport, strong rapport with somebody will just give you more insight into what it is that they value. No brainer, right? No surprise. The stronger rapport I have with you, the stronger rapport I have with my, with my clients, the stronger rapport I have with my family, the stronger rapport I have with my friends, the more influence I'm going to have over their lives in some way. It could be a decision, it could be a moment in time, et cetera, et cetera. But how can we actually rapidly build the type of rapport that generates a, a reaction that is genuine and authentic enough for you to start immediately seeing what this other person values. And I want to take a step back here because that's, that's quite loaded. So imagine you would meet someone for the very, very first time and you want to quickly establish rapport with that person. And there are so many use cases over why you want to establish rapport with this person. But imagine the rapport that you are typically establishing, right, can take much more time to ascertain this person's values versus some of the rapport strategies I'm about to share with you right now. So what this really means is I'm going to take a shortcut into trying to understand this person's values versus allowing so much time to pass by before I really get to what it is that I can get to almost instantaneously within, within just a few minutes. And I find that to be extremely, extremely powerful. I hope you find that out too. I find that out too, of course, after what we discussed today. The first thing that I would actually suggest you do when wanting to establish strong enough rapport to ascertain the values of somebody else is actually showing gratitude. And we talk about this a lot, right? Gratitude in the interview, gratitude in a meeting, gratitude to have met somebody, just showing a level of gratitude. Now, when we actually show gratitude or explicitly say how grateful we are for something, I want you to be able to observe the other person's reaction. Rather than be so self-consumed with how grateful you are, use it deliberately 
to see the other person's reaction to your gratitude. And so if we actually can observe how someone reacts to what you're grateful over, you will then quickly be able to see if this person's values are aligned to your own. Wouldn't that be amazing? So imagine, for example, we go into work on Monday or Tuesday of next week after the holidays, and we say, you know what, I'm so grateful I had time to spend with my family. And, and rather than being just self-consumed by that overwhelming, genuine and authentic gratitude, try to observe how the other person reacts. Does this person look, look at us in a, a fond way when we're actually discussing that sort of gratitude? Does this person sort of glance over that gratitude? Does this person ask for information to sort of explain more about why it is we're so grateful? Does this person then go back and say, you know what, I am so grateful as well? Does this person go back and say, you know what, that's absolutely wonderful. I'm so happy you got to spend time with your family. Imagine how each and every single one of those reactions actually has a different way of ascertaining what this person values. You know, so many of us overlook these things. This, this beautiful social skill that we actually inherently have. It's a, it's a natural ability. And yet, because of just so much isolation these days in this digital age we're living in, we, we typically self-consume. We typically self-isolate, right? And, we, and when we do that, what we're doing is we're actually getting so much more inside of our head, so much more inside of ourselves that we actually forget to actually observe how another person can react to these very same things that can deepen a relationship. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you here is that there are many missed opportunities when we do not observe another person's reactions, right? And this doesn't necessarily have to be just about gratitude when it comes to rapport building, but this could be a unique experience that we mention. I'll give you a very, very, you know, very basic example of a very unique experience. I have a client of mine, um, and you may find this quite humorous, um, that has a skunk problem. And yes, you heard right, a skunk problem. His backyard, for some reason, has frequent visitors by skunks. And for those of you here in the Bay Area, that may, may be, be something like, oh yeah, that's, that's totally normal. Uh, others, you know, like myself, would be more like squirrels and raccoons. But, you know, my particular client has a skunk problem. And, you know, he has mentioned this several times to where, you know, I wasn't sure whether to laugh or whether or not this was truly an actual problem. And so I chose to mention both. And so in doing so, in seeing his reaction, he actually thought he would mention it because it was quite funny. Most people got a good kick out of it when, you know, someone mentioned that his backyard was infested with skunks, not necessarily infested, but frequent visitors with skunks, right? But others sort of took another approach, which was like, well, I mean, what's going on? I mean, are you able to go outside? Are you able to enjoy your backyard? How are your kids taking it? Do you have a dog? Do you have an animal that's not being able to enjoy your backyard as a result? How much time is that actually taking away from you? You know, what's going on here? How, how can we talk about this a little bit more? Is it really the skunk sort of problem you have? Or is there something else here? And just by just by observing other people's reactions. In this case, my reaction to his woes of having the skunk problem really just give an indication of whether or not we want to gloss over something as simple and as basic as something like that or actually get to a stronger level of depth. 
and this doesn't have to be obviously a skunk problem. I mentioning it because it's a reality. But if you, if you mention a unique event that took place in, in your life, a, a recent event, you went outside, uh, you saw a particular animal, you went outside, you noticed a, a rainbow, you went outside, you noticed something beautiful that you hadn't seen in a very long time. You bought something that you were looking forward to buy. You put something together. You, you took on a class of some sort. You acquired a new skill set. Mentioning a unique experience to somebody and ascertaining what the reactions are really give you a good indication of whether this person is in fact so self-consumed, perhaps on the egotistical side of things, to not really have your unique event resonate with them. And that should give you a lot more indication of what is to come. It's those individuals that really, really take their time to listen to the smallest of things, appreciate the smallest and most wonderful things in your life, even if they don't mean that much to them, right? That give you an indication that this person is someone you could perhaps trust, right? Another really, really great way of doing this is actually showing a level of vulnerability. You know, I, I really wish I was able to celebrate Thanksgiving with my extended family. It's really, really difficult this year. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't take that risk. You know, the numbers are up. They're peaking here in the United States. And I, and I, I just couldn't take that risk. It was really, really sad. And so while I had this time off, I really couldn't spend that time with my family. I was really looking forward to this time and I couldn't spend it with my family. It actually made me quite sad. I wasn't, I wasn't happy. See how someone else reacts to that. Do they empathize with you? Or do they say, yeah, well, you know what? We're all in the same boat here. Do they say, you know what? I really feel, I feel for you. You know, not easy. Very, very challenging times. You know what? If you need anything, you want to talk about it, I'm going to be there for you. If you ever want to talk through some of these feelings that you've got, you know, please let me know and I'll make some time for you. It's those types of reactions that ascertain a level of values, right? That we can then either relate or not relate to. And what I'm asking you here in this one very, very first sort of option and choice that we can take, it's a very common one, right? Like building rapport is to actually observe the other person. Observe if they're actually looking at you. Observe if they're actually nodding their head and listening. Observe if they're smiling. Observe if they look like they're actually empathizing with you or having what you've said to them resonate, right? Observe these things. If you can do so, I can promise you that you'll save yourself a world of pain, right, in the future should you choose to deepen a relationship with someone who truly cares more about what's going on in their world versus yours. And, you know, you could say, Rami, you know what? Most people just care about their worlds. Absolutely they do. But most people also take a deliberate amount of time to deepen a relationship with someone that they value and care about. And I want that person, obviously, to be you. Another example here, really being able to generate a reaction from somebody and, and see what it is that they actually value to really make a good, strong judgment of character. And that is celebrating something. You know, I, I share this a lot with my clients, my one-on-one -on -one clients, um, especially on the leadership development side. You know, you can always really tell someone's a really great leader, someone you really want to work for when they celebrate the smallest of successes of their team. So whether someone got a dog, uh, whether someone just had a child, whether someone just got promoted, whether someone went somewhere they typically wouldn't go, someone maybe acquired something that they were, again, saving up for. A celebratory moment, if it was someone's birthday, like how excited are you 
when you hear about someone else's birthday. You may say like, oh, happy birthday. Or you may say like, oh my God, that's absolutely wonderful. Like happy birthday. And I'm not saying for you to be anything other than your, your authentic self, but how it is that you react with somebody else in this case can give you a strong indication of how much it is that you value the other person's relationship with you. Similarly, in this case, right? I want you to celebrate to see if you can fascinate. Celebrate to see if you can fascinate. And fascinate in two ways here. Fascinate the other person over like what it is you're actually celebrating or fascinate the other person to the point where they're, they're self-fascinated with what's going on in their lives versus not really thinking about, you know, what's going on in yours. And this is a really, really great sort of like way to get someone's values. So if we say like, I'm so excited to share with you that I got promoted. I'm so excited to share with you that most recently I moved to a new home. I'm so excited to share with you that, you know, I, I, got, I got that new scope, that new project. I sold that, that, that new case of wine, right? Celebrate. If you can celebrate and show a level of celebration in a conversation, you will be able to extract an enormous amount of values in the other person once you observe how they react to that. Okay. I love that because, you know, when we're celebrating something, sometimes, you know, when you're listening to somebody, when they're celebrating something, you're thinking like, how on earth is this person celebrating something like that? I mean, it means that much to this person. It certainly does. I can give you a great, a really great example. It's, it's a true story, obviously about one of my clients who, who recently just got a dog. You know, he was like, you know, it's me, my wife, we're not planning on having any kids anytime soon. And so we decided to get a dog. And yet, you know, if you live in San Francisco, you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, another, another dog um, in this city. But for others, right, you, you, could, you could typically just say like, wow, this is, this is great. This is an addition to your family, right? This is just another person in your family. Congratulations on having a dog. You know, it's just like having an adopted child. Um, and isn't that absolutely wonderful, right? You may not believe in those things, but your ability to celebrate with the other person, to be fascinated by what it is that they're celebrating, really give a strong indication of, you know, how much you value a relationship, right? Now let's get a lot more strategic and tactical in nature here. So, you know, the first thing is like building rapport. Obviously, I can see that, right? I mean, that, that, that's the obvious thing. You know, celebrating something, picking something to celebrate and sharing that with somebody else to extract that, those values. That obviously is a, is, a, is a natural one, but a really, really nice one as well. But let's get, let's get deeper here. A strategy that I have found a lot of my clients successful in using to really like ascertains people, people's reactions is disrupting the typical times that they communicate with them. So if you are used to meeting someone at a particular time or communing with, communicating with someone at a particular time, try to think about how you can actually disrupt that time with the other person and see what kind of reaction you're going to get. So let's just say, for example, that you, you typically would meet with your manager one-on-one -on, -one on this particular day, and you save up all of this information that you want to share with your manager on this particular day. And yet you don't have the best relationship with your manager only because you're not able to share some of the more personal elements with this very, very limited segmented amount of time that you have on a regular cadence. Well, try to disrupt that. Try to disrupt it by scheduling another meeting. Um, with your manager and see how your manager reacts during that meeting. Are they more attentive or do they have so many other things going on that they don't seem to be quite listening to what it is that you're saying? 
For those of you that want to up-level themselves at work, and you're wondering, how can I have more scope? How can I have more influence? How can I have more impact over the organization? Schedule something outside of a regular cadence. Bring people together that are typically outside of the hours that you would normally schedule time with them and observe how they react during that time. How are, how are they reacting to what it is that you're saying? How is your relationship with them during that particular time in comparison to the other times that you've had with them? How do they react in those circumstances, right? When you find that time that is outside a regular cadence to interact with somebody, boy, is there a wealth of values you can extract from somebody. So rather than having a bi-weekly meeting with somebody, try to schedule something in between that where you can talk about a particular subject that has meaning and heart for you and maybe you know, have meaning and heart for the other person that you can ascertain in that conversation by disrupting the typical time that you would interact with that person. And so these are the sorts of things where you are able to really just share very interesting moments with somebody else that you normally would not have had it not been that you made the decision to schedule something outside of those, those hours. I think that's a huge, huge strategy to observe the reaction of other people regarding a different subject at a different time that you have deliberately scheduled outside of a regular cadence, okay? Number four, being very strategic here. And somewhat, some may argue, and this has actually happened before, that it could be a little manipulative here. But in this case, you know, we have the best of intentions, right? We want to be able to show a level of depth in our relationship, to be able to sway a decision in our favor. It is a good decision, one that has the absolute best of intentions. That means no ill will towards anybody else. But this comes with mirroring, right? Mirroring is a huge one. I can't tell you how much I try to mirror my clients, you who may be listening, at our first, first call with one another. Um, and the reason why I do that in a very, very specific and limited amount of time is I actually want to see how it is that you react to my mirroring. So if I actually have a client of mine who I'm speaking to the very, very first time, over the course of the first five minutes of me mirroring their tone, mirroring some of their verbiage, mirroring some of their physiology, if I feel that this person can comfortably get into a mode where I can strongly build rapport with this person in an accelerated fashion, I know then and there that I have the ability to build a very strong, meaningful relationship with somebody. If I can't do that in the first few minutes, I will typically skew the conversation to go a different direction where we typically have no action item at the end of our conversation that is compelling enough and strong enough to formalize a relationship with one another. And that's very, very deliberate in nature. I want to be able to work with people that I know that I can actually help, that I can positively influence, right? People that take a much longer time to do so with me or with somebody else may not necessarily be the most impactful and effective sort of relationship. And I ethically and morally believe uh, for myself that I need to make that clear right up front, right? Whether, whether implicitly or explicitly. But this goes with the same thing with anybody that we actually meet. Imagine yourself meeting someone for the very, very first time over a Zoom call, whatever, a Blue Jeans, a Teams call, whatever it is, right? and you're meeting someone for the very, very first time, and you're having a conversation with that person, try to mirror that person's tone, that their verbiage, even their physiology and how it is that they actually look. Are they jumpy? Are they excited? Do they seem quite relaxed? Do they seem quite calm? Try to mirror that. And if you find a positive response 
where someone is able to open up to you more, feel more comfortable with you as a result of you doing that, you know then and there that you have the ability to form a strong and deep relationship with that person. This is not to skew them to get to a yes necessarily, but more skew them to, to, to open up, right? To show whether or not you're able to have a strong and deep relationship with that other person. I think that's really, really just quite amazing. Sometimes we can actually mirror other people by describing events that have happened to us similar to what, have, what has actually happened to them. And when we do that, by the way, we can actually observe the other person's reaction and say to ourselves like, wow, are they as excited as I was for them? Are they listening as much as, as I was listening? Does it resonate with them as much as I feel what they said resonated with me? And if you're able to actually observe that level of reaction, imagine how much power you have. And if you're asking, you know, well, what kind of power can we have in a, in a, in a conversation like that? Well, you know then and there whether or not this person truly, truly, truly is going to take the time to invest in you, to nourish your career, or at the very, very least, nourish a receptive and reciprocal relationship. These are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful tools that you can use when you deliberately observe what sort of conversation you're going to be having with somebody else, right? And a lot of people use mirroring in interviews, in sales, right? People like people like who? People like people like themselves, right? And people like people that have and share the same values. A lot of times we mirror one another, right? I mean, in order to really just show how much uh, we empathize uh, with one another as well. A, a lot of strategies that are used when it comes to interviewing is, is profiling particular individuals on their LinkedIn profile, right? If we go to the recommendations that they have given, right, we extract a lot of their values. And if those, those values that we've extracted resonate with us, then we should actually use those in our conversations. That's a form of mirroring, right? If it actually resonates with the other person in a very authentic and genuine way here, of course, then we know we're on the right path. Similarly, when we're actually just looking at something like that and we, we think to ourselves like, can we or can we not relate to what this person actually values? You know, it's not enough to just mirror, of course. It's, it's really your ability to observe the reaction of the other person while it is that you are mirroring them. And that is an incredible skill set to have that you can actually practice, right? Time and time and time again. So, so if you want to do this very gently at first, for those of us that have, you know, our, our, our day jobs, you know, look at the people that you have actually been interacting with for quite some time. And when you have your next conversation with that person, try to write down how you felt this person was feeling at that time. Look at their eyes. Do, they, do you feel that like they were actually in focus? Did they smile? You know, ask yourself if they smiled. Did they show a level of depth and understanding? Did, did what it is that you say to them resonate with them? Right? And you can actually do this by just asking them to summarize, for example, the conversation itself or what should be scheduled or what they believe we should be doing as a next step. But through that, actually try to understand more of what it is that they actually feel. And if you can actually do that, imagine, imagine you know, how much power you can actually have in a relationship, the level of depth you can actually have by truly, truly, truly knowing what someone else feels, how then you can skew the conversation to take a different course, how then you can inject 
parts of your own experiences and life into the conversation and actually build even a much stronger rapport, the same rapport we were talking about earlier on, right? Mirroring is huge, right? But observing is even, is even more powerful, right? And observing actually goes with every single one of the strategies that we've given so far. Observing what? Observing someone's reaction. Um, it's their tone, right? It's their tone. It's their physiology. Um, it's their eyes. It's the verbiage they use. It's, it's, it's the actions that they actually take over our conversations, right? It's, it's their ability to follow up. And it's yours too, right? Understanding what people actually value right, gives you such a strong indication of how it is you can manage a relationship. And that's exactly what I want you to actually do, right? You know, it's almost like, it's almost like a, a, a client of mine who recently has really just been struggling to find his place, you know, and, and aren't we all, right? The questions that I was actually asking him really gave me a good indication of, of what he actually values. I'm going to give you one very strong example of that with our time with one another today. And I'd love to obviously know your feedback thereafter. But, you know, he was totally misaligned to where it is he was applying and pursuing for his next career transition. In fact, he was trying to get back into sales and sales just wasn't his thing. It just wasn't. Um, and so we had several discussions around where he was truly aligned. And, and in this particular case, he agreed, and actually so did his wife, agree that consulting was actually his, his North Star. Consulting was where he was most, most aligned. And he agreed, and yet, you know, he continued to pursue these, these sales positions that, you know, he, he, he was applying towards and was just not being successful at. And so we had this very, very deep, very open, very frank conversation. We said, you know, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to get to a yes? You know, meaning someone's going to say, yes, you know, we'll take you, come on in. You've, you've got the sales role. Or are we trying to get to alignment? Which one is more important? And his response was, well, alignment is the most important thing that I'm after. And so my follow-up to him was, you know, well, do you agree that, you know, the consulting route is most aligned to you? And he, he certainly did. He's like, absolutely, Rami. Consulting is what's most aligned to me. And so then my follow-up was, well, then why are we pursuing these other roles in sales? And he had a sales role in, a sales role in the past. And so he was applying to another sales role. And, you know, wh why, are, why are you applying to these sales roles? He's like, well, I, I just want to get to a yes. I mean, I just want to get to a yes. So, so he was actually diverting all of this emotional energy into getting a sales role, right? And, and sales just wasn't aligned to him. Consulting was, consulting was. And so what I was able to observe in my conversations with him was that his ego was so strong that he actually was more willing to work towards a yes, right, than to work towards what was aligned. And the reason why was because what was more aligned to him was going to take a lot more investment, a lot more time, right, versus getting to a yes and for a sales role that he had experience for, but he knew deep down he simply wasn't aligned towards. And so this sort of back and forth conversation with him allowed me to observe how he reacted to getting a no from somewhere. And when he got a no from a position that he applied towards, the whole world was, was collapsing. The whole world was collapsing. 
And, and, and even in my conversations with him, when I would say, well, I mean, the whole world is collapsing in front of you for a role that you're not even aligned towards. Well, why do you keep pursuing that? You know, and, 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 and it was always getting to a yes. I want to get a yes. Even if I don't want it, I just want a yes. Had that actually been a position, you know, he was actually aligned to, I would be all for that. You know, I want you to experiment, interview, take risks, take chances, you know, see what you're aligned towards, see the reception of that, see if it actually resonates with our audience, no matter what it is that we're doing. But in his particular case, no, he wanted to get to that yes, you know, at the risk of really just almost disrupting and destroying so much of, you know, all of these facets of, of beautiful mental energy, strategy and emotions that he could have diverted towards his true alignment. And many of us fall into this trap, right? But what I want you to do here is, you know, not just look inwards, but look outwards towards others, right? In this particular case, it's hard to do so. It's really, really hard to do so. It's, it's hard to say to yourself, like, I'm going to look at somebody else and, and make these observations of them and see how I actually, you know, can manage that in my upcoming conversations or my future relationships with these people. And it's amazing when we actually try to deliberately get out of what's inside of us to what's outside of us in our interactions and observe these sorts of conversations and these reactions with other people uh, that, we, that we conversate with. And this takes a lot of time. It's, it's a very, very deliberate effort that you have to make when making your observations of these people. But if I were to assign you one particular action item from our time with one another today is, you know, pick five people if you can. If you can't pick five, pick three people. And I want you in your conversations with these people, because these people are, are people that you must be frequently interacting with, by the way, I want you to write down what it is that you observe about these people. How did you observe them on one particular day? Or if you don't have that time in one particular week, you know, what did you feel when you were listening to their conversations? How did they appear to you? Did they appear in good spirits? Did they appear calm? Did they appear angry, agitated, anxious? How did they actually appear? And I just want you to be able to start getting into the practice of observing others so that you can best manage your, your relationships. And if you can actually do that by studying the reaction of others, well, imagine just how much power you're going to have. And I keep using that power, you know, because it really, really is. If we're able to understand what other people are actually feeling and thinking, it's incredible how much good you can actually do. And, and I'm emphasizing on good in the relationship itself, not just towards just getting what it is that we want, but actually really getting the best out of, uh, out of a relationship. And so, you know, in closing here, I'm going to sort of go back to what I said earlier. And I want you to listen in and, and tell me how you feel, you know, afterwards. I mean, does it resonate with you? What comes to, what comes to mind? I, I'd love to know how you feel. So here, here we go again. We are social creatures, highly dependent on interaction. This interaction takes on various forms and has several levels of quality. Similar to our understanding of the moon, to which we are accustomed to only seeing one side, we too must recognize this with people in our relationships. Seeing only one side is a reality. When we interact with others, we're only privy to view the side to which they have deliberately chosen to show us. 
Similarly, we do the same in what we choose to show others. In our interviews, we summon the best versions of ourselves. And in our meetings, we portray openness, collaboration, intellect, and expertise, amongst many other great qualities. And the reality is, what we choose to show others is very much what others are choosing to show us. Therefore, in order to truly gain an upper hand in any relationship or situation, we must make our understanding of others a necessity. This social skill of fight or flight, enemy or ally, good or ill intent are simply surface level human emotions. True power lies in your ability to transcend into those emotions which are concealed, not for any ill intent, but love for depth of meaningful relationships. This is a pathway to incredible, powerful, more so a pathway to your own enlightenment. Rather, this is a pathway to incredible power, but more so a pathway to your own enlightenment. And remember last year, something that I actually said earlier that, you know, our emotions to how it is we typically feel are very much a product of our preconceived judgments, our self-consumed judgments. And let's try to get out of that for a moment here and get into it outward when we're looking at our conversations with others. So whether that's through rapport building, showing gratitude, sharing a unique experience, mentioning an event, or being vulnerable, whether it's through celebrating something to fascinate someone with what it is that we're actually celebrating, right? Getting a reaction from that, whether it's disrupting typical times of our regular meeting cadences, you know, just to ascertain a reaction and observe how other people are reacting to that, right? Through different times of the day, disrupting that, of course through mirroring, through mirroring others and observing how they react through our mirroring, right? Um, through tone, physiology, the eyes of other people, um, the verbiage that they actually use, the actions in which they take, all to ascertain values. Once we can understand these values, we are going to be so empowered with tools and knowledge to really influence a relationship um, should we choose to do so? Deepen a relationship. Should we choose to do so? Um, should we choose? And that obviously comes down to the conclusion of our, of our time with one another today. Should you choose to do this? I truly believe you'll be well served to do so. Should you choose to continue to look inward, even when you are sharing gratitude with somebody else, you will only get a surface level emotion as a reaction unless you choose to start observing. And that's what I'd want you to do. And lastly, I'll sort of like, uh, you know, and, and where we started with this Walt Whitman quote about transcendentalism, and that is, I do not ask the wounded how he feels. I myself become the wounded person. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal, and immersive level, please visit my website at ramibalut.com and schedule a 45-minute Real Talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com 
and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code podcast for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition, conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit RamiBalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?